What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Rev. And before we get started with today's chapter, I wanted to do our Black Business Highlight. This is where we spotlight a Black business to promote and keep money in our community. Today, we're doing Humble Beast and Christ Apparel. This is where you can get your activewear, performance hoodies, t-shirts, and women's tanks at a reasonable price to get your workout on in a stylish way. Visit them at HumbleBeastInChrist.com and let Joey, Ralph, and Chris know that Rev sent you. Now let's get started. Welcome to the Black Minds Matter podcast. I'm Mac, hanging with my man Rev, and this is a now production. We have a special guest here today. Guys, I hope you enjoy this. I hope you get something out of this. But I'm going to pass this over to Rev and let him introduce our guest. Go ahead, Rev. All right. Thank you, Mac. Appreciate that. So today, audience, is, is probably going to be my favorite episode, honestly. Something that I'm super passionate about. And we're going to talk about therapy and counseling and, and mental health and emotional health and all of that within the black community. We're going to try to debunk some myths and some stereotypes. And we have um, some questions to ask. And we have a licensed doctor here joining us. Um, this is Dr. Sherry Moloch. She is joining us all the way from the DC area. So we want to bring her in. She'll let you know a little bit about her credentials. So please help me welcome Dr. Sherry Moloch to the, to the program. Hello, good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you live. And thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this really important topic. Absolutely. You want to give us a little bit of your credentials and, and tell people a little bit about yourself professionally and maybe even personally, if you have one or two tidbits of information you want to share with our audience. And I would say go ahead and brag on yourself, too, if you got time. <laughs> <laughs> That's not something I like to do. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm Sherry davis Mullock. I'm on the faculty of the, the Department of Psychological and Brain Sciences at George Washington University, where I teach doctoral and undergraduate students in the field of clinical psychology. My research expertise is in on suicide in the Black community, particularly with Black youth and trying to create suicide and HIV prevention programs in um, faith-based communities. I have a bachelor's degree from Dartmouth College. I have a master's and a PhD from University of Maryland College Park. I have a master's of divinity degree in Howard University School of Divinity. You know, woo, that in there. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I've, been the, I've been on the faculty at GW for 24 years. Prior to that, I taught at Howard University for eight years. And I've been a pastor of the beloved community church along with my husband, um, which is in a suburb of DC for the past 14 years. Wow. Wow. And just just because I know a little bit about the DC area, are you familiar with uh, Alfred Street Baptist Church? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh -huh. Okay. I listen to, to, to uh, Dr. Howard John Wesley every week. I listen to him. I'm not even from there. I've been to DC a couple of times. I've never been to visit his church. But but thank you for that. You are... You are um, Wow, you, you got a lot going on, I, and, I, and I like that. I'm, I'm also I'm a grandmother and a mom. I've been married for 34 years, almost 35 years. There you yeah. go. Two granddaughters, seven and three. There you three go. Three kids, two dogs. Well, well, All right, married, yeah. And he just celebrated 12 years in December, and he has – was it 12 years? No, man, <laughs> I had to check my tat sometimes. I, it's 13 years, bro. Yeah, give me all my years. Well, you told us 12 in one of the episodes. Did I? Well, maybe that was before December 20th. 
Maybe so. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, either way, he's married, and we have a good dynamic here, Dr. Moloch. He's he's married with with three. I'm single with none. And I always wonder, man, why do you have those kids? But anyway, that's a different topic for a different day. So um, we want to talk about counseling. So I, as I said to our audience before, I love going to therapy counseling or, or whatever you want to call it, um, because it is something that is very near and dear to, to my heart. Um, just to be just to be super brief, I've lost 15 to 19 people in the last four to five years. I don't know the exact numbers because after a while, it's just too hard to count. I could sit down and do it, but that would be very teary. And I don't think the, the audience wants to, wants to do that. And one of the most tragic events of my life is that um, I saw my brother pass away in front of my face. Like he died in front of me. So I couldn't handle that. So I had to go to counseling, dealt with some other things, like some really, like a really bad breakup. And it's just been a lot of abandonment. And I had to go because I was losing myself. And, and, and I didn't want to go. I didn't think I needed to go. So I guess the, the first thing we want to we want to discuss is this relevant need for therapy counseling. You can I guess you can go into is it therapy? Is it counseling? And just the overall need for people in general. OK, so that's a really good question. I think black folks, because of the stigma associated with going to therapy, we like to say counseling. It's not that much difference. The biggest difference is that a licensed psychologist is a person who's, who is trained to handle both sort of adjustment problems, which is what you were going through, but also we're also trained to handle more serious mental illness, um, like people who have psychotic disorders. Counseling is something a person who is trained to deal with um, less severe problems, also maybe trained to deal with issues around school. Maybe you're having struggles with finding out what kind of career you, path you want to take, for example. You could go to a counselor for that. For the most part, though, most of us are who are therapists call it counseling for black people because it's more palatable <laughs> for us. It feels like it's less serious, so, but it's all the same thing, basically. Well, well, thank you for giving that. I was in a um, I was in a men's group with my church and there was a there was a you're right. I don't I don't want to say it's therapy. I want to say it's counseling. I say either way we, we need to go. Um, whatever you call it, get some help if you need it. That's what we're That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There, there we go. So before, before we get to, to, to too deep with that, um, I wanted to talk about more of that stigma, that stigma in the black community about is it counseling, is it therapy? So from my under, I mean, I'll speak for me, and I think I have a pretty good temperature of the black community as a whole. I've lived in different parts of the country. It's fine. But I had a stigma that I didn't need to go to counseling because that's for weak people. Right. That is for... Mm -hmm. That like like I'm not a, I'm not a man. I, like like counseling is for white people. It's therapy for white people, not for black yep. people. Can you speak to that stigma? Is it correct? Is it incorrect? In the numbers you see, as far as you know, participants in counseling, like essentially, why are black people thinking that stigma is the case, and how are those numbers bearing it out? Well, I think it's really a complicated issue. So I think there definitely is a stigma associated with therapy for black folks. Some of that is we do think it's a quote unquote white thing or that's something white people do. Sometimes we almost feel like it's a luxury we don't we can't afford to have, right? That's for people who um, you know, kind of don't really have a lot of things going on. They don't have to work. Um, that's something you kind of do when you're leisurely. They almost treat it like it's a recreational activity. But I want to share with your audience that actually it takes a tremendous amount of strength to go into therapy. And that it's like unpeeling an onion. So you're taking and looking at layers and layers of who you are. And sometimes that's really painful. 
And what I think we tend to do, instead of going to therapy, we do other things, right? We drink, we um, gamble, we have a whole lot of sex with a whole lot of partners in unsafe ways. We mm. do other things to cope with our quote unquote, or we call it something different. I got the blues. I got, I remember my, my parents would say we got bad nerves and we would, that was like a euphemism <laughs> for, or someone who had a nervous breakdown. That could be anything from depression to schizophrenia to panic attacks. And so, and, and the community really absorbed that, right? We would say Aunt Becky's a little strange and just kind of move on with that. But I think that the, and then the other issue is that um, for a long time, black folks didn't have access to therapy because of mm -hmm. where the therapists were located and because of the expense. <clears throat> That's gotten better now because people tend to have better insurance. Medicaid, Medicare also covers therapies as well. So we have more opportunities to go now. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for that answer. Because actually, I've heard some of that stuff, whether it's in my family or family members talk about their friends where they're just getting on her nerves. She's got bad nerves, baby. Don't worry about her. No, right. she's going through something. I, I really wish my community would look for that within each other. So if you're seeing that in someone else, how do you go about, how does one seek counsel for someone else? What are the steps for something like that without it coming off as, oh, you think something's wrong with me, you must think I'm crazy. No, right. I'm really here trying to help you. So how do we use that, that feeling we have within us that someone else needs some help without it coming off in a bad way? So I think that one, one of the, the analogies I use for that is that if you saw someone had a leak in their faucet, and you saw that drip, 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 drip. And so one way to handle it would be to hope it gets better by itself, right? But eventually it's gonna wear down the cabinet, it's gonna cause flooding, and that pipe is gonna burst. That's and so right. We don't, and unfortunately, we tend to wait until the pipe is about to burst or it has burst, and then we're scrambling to try to fix it up. So one of the things that we can do is to know just some basics about warning signs that someone is really struggling. If people are not doing well in school, if people are not doing well in their job, if their interpersonal relationships are really strained, and you're noticing that this person's functioning is really declining, they're not able to work well, they're not able to play well, they're not able to love well, then it's time for them to get some help. One of the things I think you can do is, is instead of approaching this like you're criticizing the person, like you, you're whack, or you need to kirk out, or you need to chill out, is go to that person in love and say, you know what, I've noticed that you don't seem to be yourself lately. And point, give some specific examples. I've noticed that you seem to be snapping at people or you seem to be really tired a lot or it seems to be harder for you to kind of get going in the morning. And I really care about you and I love you and I'm, I think you need to get some professional help. Okay, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Give you, ask that person if they like, most people are like, no, I don't need to go. Ask them to give it to you as a gift. So say, well, you, it, well, I will go with you. Will you promise me you'll go to one session? If you don't like it, you don't have to go back. Hmm, interesting. Now, th that all depends on the type of relationship you have with that person. Because, you know, true. I see some guys at work flipping out over something very minor. I'm like, man, you know, we probably should have you go talk to somebody. I don't want to come off crazy like that. But, bro, you just flipped out over dropping a screw. That's, right. that's an issue. <laughs> you know, right. you should probably go talk to somebody. How do you come with it? in that manner where you don't have the good relationship, the uh, 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 more filial relationship. You can take that person to the side. You can take mm -hmm. that person out for coffee, take that person out for lunch, and just let them know you're concerned. I think if you approach it from, I'm concerned about you, 
you seem to be really stressed out lately. Is something going on? Ask them, is something going on? If the person's mm -hmm. like, nah, man, it's nothing. It's like, no, let's, let's wait a minute for a second because, and give them the specific example. You know, someone asked you if you could, we could change a meeting, you kind of really went off and you don't normally respond like that. So I'm wondering, and, you, and I always tell people, I don't need to know all your business if you don't want to share that, but I do want you to know that I'm concerned about you. And is there something I can do to help? Absolutely. Dr. Moak, you, you mentioned something earlier that um, you said that we'll go drink or have multiple sex partners in unsafe ways and things. And from what I've talked about from my friends and just heard, like, you know, I'm around people, is, is this concept of I'm doing things that are therapy for me, but that's really therapeutic. So they're, they're trying to either drown their sorrows in alcohol. As men, we will drown our sorrows in women. We will drown our sorrows in gambling. I, I, I don't want to speak for women, but they'll drown their sorrows in other things. But you, but you end up figuring out really quickly that the, all those sorrows can swim. So can you speak to therapy versus things that are therapeutic and things that we think are helping us because it manages in the short term? Like right. I may go drink or I may go sleep with a woman and it may manage that in the short term, but those long-term ramifications of doing things therapeutic that aren't necessarily helpful and not actually getting therapy. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. So sometimes we self-medicate, right? Or we, I call it self-soothing. So we do things like drugs, we do sex, we do re multiple relationships at the same time. We do a lot of other recreational things and that's the, to self-soothe or self-medicate which is basically not healthy. But sometimes we do some things that, are, I like the word you say, that are therapeutic. So we might exercise, which is a good thing to do. We might engage in recreational activities. I like to, I love um, singing gospel music. So while those things are helpful um, and soothing, and as, as therapists, we would encourage you to do those things. The difference is that it doesn't involve any change in your behavior. So what therapy helps you to do is learn new tools or new skills so that you can cope differently. So doing things therapeutically make you feel better. They elevate your mood. If you're having panic or anxiety symptoms, they help to calm those down, but they don't teach you how to do it differently. And you need some, you need some professional help to help you to develop different skill sets so that you can do things differently. That, that's that's so good. It is changing the behavior because if you don't change the behavior, you're just going to continue to do right. the, the same thing. So so there's a there's another stigma of therapy and the cost of therapy. Um, right. and, and therapy can be expensive. When I was going originally trying to find my therapist, they were out of my budget, and then I had to go down to to to, to where I can find someone. So. Um, just to, just to now, this is one of those anecdotal stories, um, that, that I'll share. And this will touch into something that you, you spoke about on, on the suicide, uh, piece when you said that's, that's your area of expertise. So I had a family member, um, and I, and I'll keep it, you know, very vague as to respect, you know, the, the privacy. Of the, I had a family member, um, who, who took, who took his life. Um, and this was several years ago. And in part, he was trying to, he didn't have insurance to cover it, so he couldn't afford it. He was trying to get in to see a public service mental health or emotional health specialist. I don't know exactly which one. And essentially, the, the notion was, you're going to have to come back in several months. We just don't have the space to fit. And between that time is when 
you know, he, he took his life. So, so can you speak to um, how care is provided? Should it be provided? Like, I, I, maybe free, I know that may be a socialist practice, but we're still the only country, only first world country in the world that doesn't offer universal health care to its, to its citizens. And I believe that mental and emotional health should be a part of regular healthcare in checkers anyway. So can you speak to the, the, either the pricing or what, I don't want to say government should do, but what society should do to help people who might not be able to afford it otherwise? So first of all, I'm really sorry about the loss of your friend and what happened to your friend should not have ever happened. Right. When someone is in a crisis, you are supposed to receive care regardless of your ability to pay. And that's almost mandated in every state in the United States. So in an emergency, what I share with people is go to the emergency room. And if you are in a crisis where you can are in danger of harming yourself or someone else, they have to, by law, require they are required to provide you with emergency care. Thank that you for saying never, that. Ever happen. I, we, we, trust me, we didn't know. And I don't mean to interrupt, but there's, but I would, until this day that we're recording this in 2021 and this, this death happened in 2016. So this is five years ago. Until you just said it, I didn't know you could go to the emergency room for a mental health or emotional health. Oh, crisis. definitely. Thank yes. you for that. But please continue. Number two, there's a 1-800-SUICIDE hotline and it's, it's 1-800-SUICIDE. Though it will link you no matter where you live in the United States, it will link you to a crisis center. And the crisis center can, is also trained to help you to get help immediately. So that's number two, you can do that. All right, now there's, a whole, there's another issue which is called parity. So if you have health insurance, by law, that insurance company has to provide you with equal um, coverage for mental health challenges. That's a requirement by law. So if you have, I don't know, 30 days of hospitalization for physical health problems in your health plan, then you have to have 30 days of hospitalization for mental health plans, okay? Having, having said that, it is also the case that mental health care is very expensive, you're right, that some mental health, um, that some mental health practitioners or providers do not take insurance. And that unfortunately is because the overhead costs for, um, just keeping up with insurance regulations, having someone do your billing, et cetera, makes it expensive. But even then, there are places that you can get low-cost care. This is kind of like a people, Black folks in particular, like, I don't want to do this, but go to a teaching hospital. Why? Because they, they're training people, like I train people to do therapy. And we have a training clinic where we have graduate students who have master's levels, graduate students who provide care and then we go as low as five or $10 a session. They are supervised by someone like me who is a licensed professional who's been doing this a long time. So they will say, I don't wanna to go to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. They are very well trained. They do know what they're doing. So that's really important. Um, mm -hmm. You can also go to, there are community mental health centers, particularly in urban settings. There are community mental health centers that also provide low cost care or sliding fee scale. So it, it's a little more challenging to find that care, but. I'm going to tell you if you go to the, if you call the crisis line, they can provide you with access to providers who are pro bono. Also, go to your state licensing um, entities. Like every state has a board of examiners for psychology or licensed professional um, counselors, and they actually have lists of people who do pro bono work or sliding scale work. Wow, awesome! Yeah, and that's necessary. I know that is something that holds a lot of people back from actually going seeking help because. Right. They know they need it, but they can't afford it. Or, or it's the thought 
they, they can't afford it, which yeah. is, you know, you just step out there and find out, ask these questions. So people who are listening, hear what she's saying. You may be able to go get this counseling. You may go get this help, but you won't know unless you ask. ask. Yeah. So with that, um, I know I asked about how, or, you know, what someone should see within others to cause you to want to help them to seek counsel. But what should you do if you see something with you in yourself? So how should I go about finding a counselor? What should I be looking for within the counselor that's going to, do I need to find somebody that fits me? Do I need to find somebody that does pro bono and just whatever they, they're talking about, just take it? I mean, what are we looking yeah. for when we're seeking counsel here? Yeah. So you need, this fit is really important. So you want someone who is credentialed. And the easiest way to look that up, there's a, um, there's a several um, uh, avenues or venues you can look up where you can actually look up people's credentials. You can actually look up psychology today as an excellent referral system. You can literally plug in what you want. If you want a black male therapist who um, specializes in depression, you put those keywords in there and they bring up a list of therapists who fit that description in your location. And you can decide within 10 miles, 25 miles, 50 miles. That's a good source. Another good source is called Zoc, Z-O-C, Doc. Same thing, you put in your insurance. If you don't have insurance, put in Medicaid, Medicare. Um, in the state of Maryland, you're required to have insurance. And so if you don't have a job, the state of Maryland provides you with insurance, which is great. And it's just like everybody else's insurance. One of my, um, my, one of my youngest children, my youngest daughter came back from Korea. She lived there for two years and she was unemployed for a period. And I kept saying to her, you know, you're about to turn 26, you're going to get off our insurance. And she was panicking. <laughs> so we're, you know, so her brother and sister, older brother and sister showed her how to do it and insurance card came up. Guess what? She's on the same insurance plan as she was before. The same coverage, Good. just different, you know, she had her own plan and policy, same coverage. And so if you, if that's your state, which is good, but every state has some kind of Medicare, Medicaid something, because again, that's required by law. So you need to do that. And then you need to actually, you know, you can interview therapists to make sure it's a good fit for you. You don't have to just take anybody. And what I share with people is saying, the plumbing analogy, if a plumber came to fix your sink and they didn't do a good job, would you allow your house to flood? No, you would get another plumber. So mm -hmm. hopefully the first person you pick is a good fit, but what's important to you? I don't, I mean, so for some people, the person has to have a PhD. I don't think that's necessary. I think people who have master's levels training are also very good. So does the person have to be the same racial background as you do? How important is that to you? Unfortunately, there is a big shortage of, um, of uh, professional mental health providers who are from communities of color. So you may not be able to find somebody who's from your um, cultural background. What you want is someone who's culturally sensitive, who knows how to treat people with different cultural backgrounds. For some people, the gender of the therapist might be important. I, I've worked with women, for example, who are victims of sexual assault and they may not feel comfortable with a male therapist. Okay, well then right. you put that in the, the um, and you put that in the referral source. I want a, I want a female therapist. Um, some people think that um, I need a child therapist. It is a little more challenging to find a child therapist just because there are fewer of us. I'm a child therapist by training. And so my, my age group, my specialty areas, adolescents and young, what we call emerging adults, young adults. So my age group is typically 12 to about 25. But I have trained on little kids. I've trained to do play therapy with kids who are under 12. 
So it just depends on the specialty that you want. There's somebody out there who can provide you with health and services and good quality services. But look up their credentials, make sure that the person is licensed, that they're licensed by the state that they live in. Um, make sure that they, they have some experience with your problems. And the easiest way to look at that is to look at using those referral systems like Psychology Today and ZocDoc, because it lists the person's specialty areas. So if you looked me up, you would see my specialty is suicide prevention, depression, um, anxiety, and children and adolescents, but actually adolescents and young adults. If you looked me up, that's what you would see. Awesome. And again, people, she said psychology today and ZocDoc. So we want to we want to make sure we'll drop those things in the description of the of, to, of today's chapter. So um, you you spoke about fit, and and again. Look, Black Minds Matter podcast, I like to be completely open. So I'll give a, a, a story about how I came to, to find my counselor. I went to a couple. I went to some men. Um, first started off with a, with a white gentleman. And it didn't work out simply because he wasn't as consistent as the need. And that's fine. I mean, he was busy. And, and he was sort of cutting me a deal on the rate because we talked about the, the, um, the, the financing piece of it. And I didn't have insurance. And I don't know the rules. I live in Texas. I didn't know the rules. And then the second time I went to a, to a black man and I'll be quite, quite honest. Every time I left there, I was more angry and hurt from when, before I walked into the room and it's not his fault. It just wasn't a good fit for my personality type, his delivery style. It didn't work. So I took about a year off and couldn't get it and kept going down, down until I found the counselor that I have now. And this person is a white woman and she and I work very well together. So lady white for a black male and that works perfectly. So fit does matter. And we, we got to get out of fit being look like me from my so, same ethnicity socioeconomic background. We need to stop assuming that because someone is black that they understand black identity because that's not right. true. Right. <laughs> and and some of the struggles that we have right. have like so so yes, I face black struggles. But the counseling I need is on abandonment and loss. That's right. what I need. The abandonment and loss doesn't look black or white. It's abandonment and loss. People right. dying are people dying. It, it it you know those things happen. So so yeah fit is Fit is very important. So um, be, beyond that, and you were talking about like, you know, going and, and seeking these things. I wanted to talk about stigma again, but I want to flip it. Stigma, not of going, but let's talk about stigma for people that go. I'll use a, I'll use a sports analogy as an example. You, Dr. Moak, I don't know if you like basketball or not, but Mac and I are very good. Oh, she does. So she likes basketball. So Kyrie Irving, we'll use him as an example. He's a basketball player, played for Brooklyn Nets. He, he openly talks about his mental health and people think he is crazy. Now, he did walk around the court burning sage one time, which I thought was pretty funny, but that's neither here nor there. It is, it is what it is. But, but so, so, so what about, what can we do as a community to not only stop the stigma? We, I think we got that a stigma of going, but stop looking at people that go as weak or strange or crazy. So it, it's from both ends. I don't want to go because I don't want to be looked like that. But then also, I actually look down on people that are going. So that stigma from the other end, what can we be doing? Advocates like myself for therapy, what can I do to help other people who go to therapy not feel bad about it? So one of the things we talked about in my church is this past Sunday, we talked about the importance of testimony. 
So part of way that we, and actually this is really important for black men because black men are more likely to say, I don't want to go to therapy. And they're also more likely to say, I think it's weak. It's also true that black men tend to have poor mental health outcomes. Mm. Some of that is not going to therapy. Some of that is not being socialized to talk about feelings and, and viewing that as being weak. And we say, you know, boys don't cry and all that kind of stuff. And so what happens is black men tend to suffer in silence. We know that black men have shorter lifespans. They have more chronic problems with physical health and mental health. So part of the, the, the um, power is in someone like you sharing your story and, and people can say, you know what, you're okay. The basketball player that you mentioned, I'm so proud of him. People think he's crazy. He has really severe anxiety. And because of that, you know, he sometimes has missed some games because he can't get on a plane. Mm -hmm. He got uh, traded from a team because of that. Mm -hmm. But he still, he refuses to be silent. So in my mind, he's a hero because he's trying to show people he's a good basketball player, but he also suffers from really severe anxiety. And the only way that that's going to get better is for him to openly talk about that, for us all openly talk about that. In my church, um, people are pretty comfortable talking about mental health challenges, but it took us a couple of years. I did sermons on mental health problems. There are people in the Christian Bible who are depressed. I talked about them. We did Bible study lessons on it. We did Sunday school lessons on it. The biggest thing that I think really changed all that though was we in July is um, People of Color's uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And every July, we would have tell our stories. People in the congregation would just get up and tell their story. It might be about you. Rev, you might get up and talk about your experience. You might talk about the experience of losing a friend to suicide. People talked about what it was like to parent a child on the autism spectrum. Some people but talked about different things. One of the things that really broke yokes was my youngest daughter talked about um, being in therapy. She was about 16 and how therapy really helped her. And she was dealing with depression. And when she finished, and I didn't, I just asked her, do you want to share? And she's like, yeah. When she finished, the whole church was crying. People started going, asking me for referrals. You know, what can I do? Uh, what, the, one of the men got up and started talking about using their anti-anxiety anti medication. It was amazing. So now people, we talk really openly about my mom had bipolar disorder. People share those kinds of stories. But it takes some brave people and don't let people shut you up because they're being ignorant about the stigma. The only way we can blast stigma and debunk stigma is to keep telling our stories. Wow. That's right. Thank you. That's right. That. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Now with that, with me having three little people in my house, um, running my house, uh, I, I have questions about things like that. Um, now, me growing up, I feel like I probably should have saw a counselor with the things that I saw growing up. My kids don't see the same things. They don't have the same background. But is that a reason that they should not see a counselor? Or is that more of a reason that they need to see a counselor? I don't know how to go back and forth with this. So what are some of the things to look into for children that may need counseling? How do you, how do you see these symptoms, the issues that are in their lives that'll tell you, hey, we need to have our child, son or daughter, talk to someone? What do we look for there? challenging because they don't have the vocabulary, right? So as an adult, you can talk about feeling sad, feeling upset, and they may not, particularly when they're really young, have the words for that, but look at their functioning. Are they doing okay in school? Are they doing okay with playmates, with their relationships with siblings? Are they seeming to really struggle? 
kids have ups and downs just like everyone else, but is it hard for them to bounce back? And if that's the case, yes, you should definitely take your, your children to therapy. I have seen children as young as four. Oh, okay. So children as young as four or five can be depressed. Children as young as four or five can also have anxiety problems. You might, what well, the way it will look different is um, some kids will have a really, really hard time separating from their parents, for example. Mm. You know, all kids initially, you go to daycare, you go to school, you go to kindergarten, preschool. That first week or so is, is challenging to get them to go and stay away from mom and dad. But that shouldn't mm -hmm. be going on for weeks at a time. Right, because our kids, they, they threw deuces after a while. We, right. They like, forgot we were in the room. Bounce back from that. Um, we are paying attention to COVID-19, too, because we're really watching carefully how that's the social isolation and the change in routine is impacting on children's mental health. I was in a meeting earlier today about that and what kinds of things should we be looking for. So a lot of us are being careful. My uh, oldest granddaughter lives here with us with her mom, and we're really watching her, making sure she still stays socially engaged with other kids her age through Zoom. Um, we make sure she, my daughter has her in a really good bubble, a cheerleading bubble. So they kind of do cheerleading twice a week to kind of make sure. And then we all, um, you know, have story time with her. She plays PlayStation with my son. So she has a lot mm -hmm. of stimulation to make sure she stays really engaged. Very good. Because that is something I was a little concerned about with the COVID situation. Our kids are staying home for school. But they do each have their circles that they can interact with. My daughter has her uh, girls who code, which is pretty cool. I love seeing what they're doing there. My son still has interactions with his guys from soccer. And, um, you know, they're still having that social interaction. That's but it's really always been something I was worried about being that they're not in class with their classmates anymore. As long as you make sure they keep socially connected. And then the other concept, this is for children and adults, is called mattering, which is basically. Um, that I, don't, I don't feel like you're just tolerating or accepting me, but you celebrate who I am. And, and even in the midst of COVID-19, what are ways that we can make sure that we each feel we matter? You can do this with your partners. Um, do special things. Maybe you can't go out to a restaurant, but can you have a romantic dinner? Just the two of you. Um, my husband and I will like get our favorite carry out and put candles up <laughs> and, you know, we'll have a, uh, Saturday night at the movies, about once or twice a month, we have the, you know, I have young adult kids from 26 to 30. We still have family time with movies. We get popcorn, we turn the lights down, and we act yeah. like we're at the movies. Yeah, so you need that. that we, can do? we barbecue. <laughs> My oldest daughter is really good at barbecuing, so she barbecues even in the winter, and we have a cookout in our house. So, you know, we making sure we stay connected in lots of different ways, and also, just sitting, checking in and saying, you know, how you doing? I know for three of them, um, you know, dreams of, and fulfilling dreams and job opportunities have slipped by and, you know, people have ups and downs with employment, people getting laid off and all of that. And sometimes that's really hard for them. And I share with them, you know, let's focus on the blessings too, okay? That um, you have a home, you have a family that loves you, you have shelter you have food, you're not worried about that. And so, yes, I know that you lost your job and that's a really stressful point right now, but the blessing in that is you're not homeless and there are people who are homeless. You know, mm -hmm. so sometimes we have to kind of pause for the cause and count your blessings and, um, and, and focus on that, not just on things that are going bad or not, or not going well for you. 
Well, yeah, thank you for that. I think we need to oftentimes focus on what we do have instead of what we don't. And we really appreciate your time. And in the interest of time, I know we're going a little long, but maybe if we can have about five more minutes of your time, we're going to tackle a couple other things and then and then let you go. So I'm a teacher and I do see that um, these kids, you know, it doesn't matter. I teach in a fluent school right now and it doesn't those kids still need it so people think oh this is just either a poor people problem or if you know everybody no. at some point is going, is going to need it so um we're all three disciples of christ on this on this show today um we all believe that jesus is the son of god and through him and only him could you be saved and that's super awesome but there is a stigma going back to the stigma stigma in the black church that i've heard since i could remember and I'm sure Mac heard since you can remember, and even you, Dr. Mola, I'm quite sure you heard that all you need is Jesus. And if you pray about it, it's going to be okay. And go to the word and this and that. And right, yeah, his shirt says, all y'all need Jesus, right? That's it. But I, I, I was talking to my, to my uncle and he said something to me that was very, it, it was spot on. He said, well, if all we need is Jesus, then God made a lot of redundant things, right? Because he put so many other things in our life. So can you speak to the Christian stigma of therapy, like that part. We've done the we've done the black community part, but all you need is Jesus. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Mm, true, but I need a little bit more. So can you speak to that a little bit for us? But what's so interesting to me though when we say that the word for the Greek word for counselor in the New Testament is not for we often analogize that to a lawyer, but it's actually helper. And so when we say that Jesus is our intercessor, our helper, he's a counselor. So if that's one of his titles, then why would it be bad to go to counseling? <laughs> so Amen. that's one thing. Preach. Secondly, <laughs> you know, um, a lot of times black folks in particular, we want our healing to be supernatural. We come, we want a burning bush experience. And yet that's not faithful to the text. Most miracles, most help comes through people. Um, yes. And I was sharing with you before, Elisha, there's a story in uh, Elisha, who's one of the major prophets, and this man, Naaman, wants to be healed. He's blind, and he sends a servant to go get Elisha, and Elisha won't come. And he gets really upset. He's like, well, he's a big, mighty prophet, has this healing power. Why won't he come see about me? And the servant comes back and says, well, actually, he said, spit in this dirt and take the mud and put it on your eyes. It'll be a salve, and then you'll be able to see. And he's really upset, you know, like... You know, do you know who I am? And I sent for you. You won't come see me. You won't come yeah. see me. And so finally he does it and he's healed. So what's the point of that? God heals in different ways. And sometimes God sends out a lifeline for us and we still, we're still looking for the burning bush. So we miss our blessing. Your blessing might be in the therapist. It might be in the counselor. It might be in the antidepressant, you know, because to me, God, does all of those things that we use for interventions are things that we know about because of God, not in spite of God. And so the skill sets that I have and the gifts that I use, I use them as part of my ministry, as part of my service to, to God's people. And so, it, and also there are people in the text, well, the Old Testament or Hebrew Bible and the New Testament who are depressed. Right. Most of the major prophets are depressed. You know, Elijah goes through this big, battle with the Jezebel wins it and then go, gets depressed and yep. goes out to the desert and says, I want to die. Not once, but twice. Right. And God sends an angel to feed him. Same thing. And he goes, well, where's God? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, who do you think the angel is? That the angel. 
And then he goes up on the Mount, on Mount Sinai and he's looking for God and the wind comes and the earthquake comes and the fire comes. And you know what? God's not in any, any of that. God's in the still small voice. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Once again, we miss it because we're, we're going to dictate to God how God should appear to us as opposed to being open to God can come in many ways and it might be through your therapist. That's right. You said you said something there that that we want our we want these things supernaturally. I heard I heard TD Jakes just just as a joke. He said that people always praying for money. He was like, money's not a miracle. It's just right. Money. It, it just shouldn't money. be a miracle. Right, right. Money's not a miracle. So 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 you can be like money can answer answer the issues. So same thing here. Like we can have these therapeutic. We, we, you know, those therapeutic actions and we can have therapy and we can get our problem solved, but faith without works is there. We got to work at it. We got to go for it. Right. Yeah. You got to do your part. And, That's and right. Like, I thank my therapist and she always, every time I thank her, she says, well, you're the one doing the work, right? Because it's, it's a, it's a work thing. So, and, and she's a, she's a Christian. She's a Christian as well. So, and, and it's not a, it's not a brow beating, you know, beating my head with the Bible in those, in those sessions. It's just not that right. because we live in a world and I'm dealing with some real human raw emotions of like, worldly like, things. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, so I, I put, sometimes I have things about, you know, scripture and the, um, my therapy. Sometimes I don't, it depends on who I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And we, and, but what I share with people is, your your spirituality and your religious beliefs is just one of many tools we can use for your healing. Mm -hmm. If you're not religious, I will also work with you. It has nothing to do with it. So um, the, what you want is someone who is culturally sensitive and is open to listening to you. And a person who can do that does not have to share your faith tradition, does not have to share your cultural background, does not have to be the same gender that you are. So I think, again, don't miss out on your blessing because the person doesn't come in the package that you would think they should come in. There you go. Don't miss out on your blessing. That kind of flows into my next question. You know, the way you answered that, talking about the different people that you see, that is my question. What types of people do you see? First, I want to say it for you, Dr. Uh, Maylock, and, I, and then I want to say it generally, what type of people actually come into be seen like are we talking black white latino are we talking male female rich poor single married um ages you know like the older people because you know uh, also with that stuff you're talking about td jakes talked about different age frames of men and women and what you're going through you right. know you have different issues things that affect you at 30 don't mean much to you when you're 50 you know right. so are they coming to you with different issues so with that how many or what type of people are you seeing? Are you seeing more older people? Are you seeing more younger people? Are you seeing the 30 year olds or what are we talking about here? Who are actually taking the time to go get counseling? So earlier in my career, I when I had a private practice, which I don't have anymore because I'm because of ministry, I don't have time. I saw almost exclusively children. I saw um, anywhere from five to about 21. And I did that for about 20 some years. And I, a case, if you're a child psychologist by training, which I am, you also have to be trained to see families because sometimes the therapeutic work is better done in the family context as opposed to doing individuals. And occasionally I would see uh, married couples, but for the most part, I was doing um, children and family therapy. Um, the good news about a person who's trained as a child therapist is that you can, because we take a developmental approach, 
you can also work with adults and you're trained to work with adults. The other opposite is not true. If you've only been trained to work with adults, you can't do children. You can't go down. You can go up, but you can't go down. I see all ages. I think the oldest person I've ever seen is probably about 80, usually dealing with um, depression. Sometimes when you get older and your loved ones start to die off and you know, you're um, and you're the only one left. I liked what Rev said earlier. You do have a sense of abandonment. It's also a, a time of reflection. Have you lived the life that you wanted to live? Do you have regrets? Do you have disappointments? And so sometimes I've seen older people because they're depressed, they're losing a lot of loved ones. Um, they may have lost the partner that they were with. I know my, my father-in-law passed away last year and my mother-in-law and he had been married for 66 years. So, you know, you don't even remember life without that person being in your life. So that could be really important. But I also see people in transitions um, that could be work transitions. It could be relationship transitions. I see a lot of people who suffer from depression. I see a lot of people who have relationship issues. Um, I always smile because people will say, no, I don't know why my relationships are unsuccessful. And a good thing a therapist can do is point out the patterns in your life. And you might say, no, all the partners are different. And like, well, they might be superficially different, but actually each of these partners, for example, a common theme is they're unavailable to you emotionally. Wow. Maybe they live across the country huh. and you're like, well, they're not available. I'm like, that's because they live in California. You're in DC. And that'll, that can work for a little while, but as a permanent issue, that doesn't usually work well. But then another yeah. person is not available because you have different goals. And we have to be honest about that. I think if, if, if you are the kind of person that likes to have, is very goal oriented and you have a partner who's not, sometimes that's not a good fit. And there might be lots of things about that person that you like, but if you're goal oriented, you are. <laughs> so you need to get someone who's gonna fit you in the ways that are important to you. And if that's not that person, even though you can really like them a lot, you can love them a lot, it's probably not going to work. So I help with a lot of that. And then I also work with people who have anxiety problems. Anxiety and depression tend to go hand in hand. So I also work with people with panic disorders, um, people who have what's called generalized anxiety, where there's kind of a low-lying, diffuse sense of anxiety that goes on all the time. Um, what else? I work with married couples as well. Um, we do a lot of pre, we require premarital counseling in our church before we will marry you. Very so good. requires six to eight weeks of that. And sometimes it goes on longer, depends on what's going on with you as a couple. And we, um, we really believe that a marriage is a covenant that you are creating with your partner that is supposed to reflect the covenant you have with God. So if we believe yes. you are not ready to get married. We will wish you well, but we will not perform the ceremony. That's right. Yes. Should be at three strands, you know, you, your right. partner That's and right. God together. It makes right. that strong core. So broken. That's right. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell we've had some marriage counseling? We yes, got some I of that stuff. <laughs> All right. All right. So with that, though, we're, we're talking about married people. Um, within a marriage, is it an issue or should that be something that you should do? Um, for each individual, should they go individually to have counseling or should it always be a joint thing? Yeah, and what happens right. if you run into that situation we were talking about before where you married a goal-oriented person, you're not a oriented husband or wife. What do you do with that situation? I mean, you're already married. You already got plans on being together forever. Right. Where we go there. So that's a really good question. 
So I encourage if you can go together as a couple, go. But I've also, I would say it's not uncommon for one person to be ready for therapy and the other person is not. So I share the person who's ready to go, go. Go do individual work. Don't let that other person hold you back. And sometimes you're going, you're making changes. It's kind of like if you change your script, your lines, the other person mm -hmm. has to respond differently to you. So sometimes you just going by yourself will still make changes in the couple because you've changed your script. So yeah. that person has to change what they're doing, whether they want to or not, because you've changed the line. You know how you have a scene and you're at, in a play and you have your lines and the person has their lines and you change the lines. They're like, oh, well, wait a minute, what's going on? So they have to- Oh, I know it well, yeah. <laughs> We've had a whole scene in a play, um, go ahead. Sometimes, not often, but sometimes, Oh, I'm trying to think of when this would happen. The, the situation might be really emotionally volatile and it might not be safe, emotionally safe for you to do couples work initially um, because things are too charged and people don't have the good, they don't have good tools and skills yet on how to communicate. And so sometimes I will see, I will suggest that we do individual work. If I just use you um, as an example, I would see you and someone else would see your, your partner and then we would bring you all together. So, um, yeah, occasionally I've had couples where there's intimate partner violence involved, and then we have to do some emergency work with that and making sure everybody's safe. Wow. <clears throat> with that, I know I'm not married, but I, I always thought, and, and you could speak to this, this marriage thing, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. I got one more question that's off the marriage topic after this. But so if you have a, I, I want to be married one day, uh, you know, I want to live this life this beautiful life by myself, you know, so, you know, marriage counseling, yes, but do you think it is prudent for the couple, so you, you know, the, the couple to have, the, of course, they have one marriage counselor, and then when they go and seek that individual help, should they seek another counselor outside of the counselor that their partner sees? Should it just be essentially three different counselors, one together, and then one each separately? Yeah, the reason for that is because, um, well, let me tell you why you shouldn't have the same one, but I'll tell you sometimes there's exceptions to that. So if you're seeing this, if you're seeing a, a, a therapist as a couple and then you're seeing them individually, what happens if, let's say, uh, you Rev tell me something and you say, I don't want her to know what I said. Okay, so that's not going to work because we can't keep secrets. Okay, so I'm going to be telling you, okay, you know, you say, I don't want... I'm having an affair and I'll say, okay, your partner needs to know that. No, I don't want you to tell. And because of confidentiality, you cannot share that with my partner, Dr. Moloch. And I would say to you, okay, you know what? That we're going to have conflict right now about allegiances and loyalty. And we can't have secrets. Secrets are always dangerous. So therefore, I will be your therapist. Your partner will have her own therapist. And a third person will be the couple person. That makes so much sense. Um, and, and with that, I, I know we've been going way long. We said five, it's like a church service. We said five minutes, 20 minutes ago. You know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like when they, they sing the song one more time, one more time means seven more times, but this will really be it. Um, but so for, for you as a therapist, counselor, whatever you want to call, you're called in the black community, how do or do counselors seek therapy and counseling? It's something that, that I, I'm, I'm very interested in. I'm a teacher and I like to, I'm a student as well. Um, so I never, I never want to stop being a student. So for you and, and not just you, but others in your profession, 
do counselors seek counseling? Sure. And sometimes people will say, well, why should I go to someone who needs help themselves? Because that person probably is really strong, actually, because <laughs> they know themselves. So now when I was in training, which is a million years ago, we were required to go to therapy. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is to make sure you don't have blind spots. What do I, what I mean by that? Sometimes you have things, you may know this yourself, Rev. You have things in your own background that you weren't aware were problematic for you mm -hmm. that you discover in therapy are. Right. And if you have a client who has that same issue, it may be hard for you to work with them because you didn't realize that was your issue. That happens a lot when people experience, for example, sexual trauma as children. You may have forgotten that or buried it or repressed it and you don't remember it. Now this, or you or your parents had a really horrible divorce. Now you have this couple come in to see you and they're going through a really horrible divorce and you're finding it hard to work with them because you're having your own emotional reactions to that. That's called transference. So it's good for you to know what your blind spots are, work through those issues, but so, so that you can really be effective as a therapist for other people. The second thing, um, I like my students to go through it because I want you to have the experience of what it feels like to be in therapy. I think it makes you a better therapist. I think it makes you helps you to appreciate when people get stuck. Sometimes as therapists, you can feel a little impatient, like, why doesn't the client get better about this issue? And I'm like, well, on you and your own therapy, you could you understand better what it's like to get stuck sure. when you want to change, but you don't know how to change. And I think it makes you for a much better therapist. Absolutely. Well, well, Dr. Moloch, we are so grateful. Like, you know, I, when I when I first talked to you, I said, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, we've been well over. So we're we're totally indebted to you. That's we okay. Think, we think this yes. is the most important topic that we've done so far. And we, we've right. touched on a lot of things. This is this is super important. So I thank you so very much for being willing to speak to thank us. Thank you for having me. Well, we would love to have you back in, in future seasons. Um, yes, please. Matthew, you got anything to say before we, before we get out of here? Matt? Um, just encourage your readers or your listeners to please, if you need, um, if you're struggling with something, you need help, please get some help. If you're in crisis, please call 1-800-SUICIDE. It's a 24-hour, 24-7 um, hotline service that can help you to find providers that can help you locally where you live. Awesome. That's right. We'll make sure to put that in the notes for this podcast, for this episode. Absolutely. So, so people, that, that's it. This is another chapter of the Black Minds Matter podcast. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this. I thoroughly did. Um, this is this is what we're here for. We're here to help the community move forward in advance, and we're going to touch on all things, even mental health, mental and emotional health. Stay healthy, be good, be well. See you guys later. Peace. Yeah. What's up, everybody? This is Rev, and you just listened to another chapter of the Black Minds Matter podcast. If you like what we're doing over here, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we would like to connect with you. If you have questions about today's episode or topics you would like to hear Mac and I discuss, please reach out to us via email at thenile.est1981 at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at thenile.est1981. Holler at y'all later. Peace.